Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. I've got the two gurus of the podcast, Magic Mike and the Rocket Man, waiting to join us. It's been a big week. Got a lot to talk about. Uh, Rocket's got an interesting background, so if you want to check out the video, you've got to go to YouTube. Rocket's always got some uh, level of crypticism in his uh, background, and uh, probably uh, he's ready to un- means he's unre- ready to unload on something. Let's bring the boys in. It's great. going to be great to catch up with them. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome back uh, to the podcast. How are we all both? Uh, Rocket, how are you? So was I right? Is there, uh, you know, what's, uh, is there something you're going to unload with uh, tonight with the, what have you got the joker up there? If you're good at something, you never do it for free. Okay. We'll come back to that. Uh, Magic, how are you? Tired this week, mate. I'm, I am on the cusp of being golfed out, but I'm good. So just to fill in the blanks there, Ro- uh, Rocket no, Rocket is not on the road. Rocket's done his time on the road. He's uh, mo- led to him moving states and upheaving everyone in the family and moving. Uh, Magic's on the road this week. He's down in down my neck of the woods in Blair Gowrie. Uh, been playing a bit of golf, have we? Yes, I've played uh, minimum 18, maximum 27 for five days straight. So starting to get a bit sore, a bit tired. Okay. Um, That's good. Well... Knowing you as well as I do now, I don't expect anything less. Um, and I know you're not, you don't tell us that for uh, any sympathy, but uh, you did put us through the torture. No, it wasn't torture. It was absolute pleasure. But 94 holes in you know, two and a half hours uh, down at Barnboogle. So it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that you've put yourself on a little... And that was the plan. You were always going to go down yep. there and, and tear the place apart. Uh, favorite that was course, it. Fav- favorite course in the journey so far? Um, favorite course was... I played well, really well at the June. So I like St Andrews as well. But the, the favourite course I'll put down to as Flinders. Um, Flinders had a little. I just happened to find it by accident. Um, a nine-hole six-club event at five o'clock last night. It was perfect. So I had my Seamus bag with me. So I grabbed six clubs that I thought might work. They played us off the gold tees, which is the front tees. So my driver wasn't really necessary, but that's okay. I didn't plan that too well, and it was great. It was just a real random set of, I think, about 25 people. And, yeah, it was good fun. Did you bump into uh, Josh Shaw down there? Josh wasn't there. No, okay. it was his day off. Yeah, he. I think he's uh, the man either behind or putting it together, someone was saying. But, yeah, he wasn't there. Yeah, Josh Shaw is a young Mornington junior. Well, he was a junior. He's not anymore. He's now a AAA-rated PGA professional and has... You know, did his traineeship down there under Gavin Coyle and then took over the pro shop. Uh, it's his business. He's doing super, super well. Uh, if you do go to, Fl- uh, to Flinders, um, tell Josh Shaw that uh, the My Love of Golf podcast sent you and uh, we all send him his best. But he's doing a great job. So, Shorey, well done. Uh, Rocket, how are you, mate? Yep. How are I'm you? good. Yeah? Good, good. good. Real good? Yeah, good, good. I watched a bit of um, Question Time today. Okay. That was, that was actually really good to watch a train wreck in, in motion. Um, before we, before you get ultra political, uh, I'll just uh, a bit of housekeeping. I did bump into uh, a mutual 
well, an industry colleague of mine who I'm catching up with tomorrow morning, uh, some exciting stuff to share there, uh, but a former golf colleague of yours from uh, Taswija, um, Jean. Jean Saunders? Jean Simmons? <laughs> Jane Simmons. Jane Saunders, who you used to play, uh, he might be maybe a bit younger than you, Rocket. But yeah, I think I, I think we're we're we've missed by a, a wee a wee leg. Jean is a pro uh, who hails from Tassie, and he remembers you uh, from your elite golfing days down there. Doesn't oh, doesn't surprise me that you don't remember anyone else, but yeah, your, your stories. <laughs> it's all about me. <laughs> uh, we that's one thing we share in common because um, uh, uh, I'll talk about me uh, when we talk about the Vic Pro-Am PGA, uh, the Vic Pro-Am, um, Vic PGA, the Vic Open P- Pro-Am. Sorry, I got that right. Because I'm trying to think. I wonder if he played at the same club. Because I know that, so I know one of the clubs I was a member at, which is Tasmania Golf Club, a lot, we had a pretty good junior program there. So there was um, the junior pennant that I played, and then I was playing um, uh, then just Division One pennant there. And there was a really big group of, of kids between the ages of like 12 and, four, 12 and 14. There was this massive group of, of kids coming through. So, um, did you, did you, did you spend some time up north in Launceston? I think Gene might be from that part of the the, the country. Uh, yeah, I was up. I was up there for. I was up there. I was played out of Mowbray for a year and a half. So I, I was. I lived up there for a bit, but then could have been a lot of the tournaments. So a lot of the to- the Colts tournaments because that was the other bit I was playing in. They have Colts and Juniors at the same time, um, and. So potential. Oh, yeah. Name's coming back to me now. I think he might have played out of Launceston Golf I th- Club I think or so. Riverside. I think so. But more importantly, the reason why I mentioned Gene is I'm catching up with Gene and also the uh, director of Vokey Wedges from Titleist in the States tomorrow morning to make a oh, little bit of uh, to do a little nice. bit of work for the drum and golf stuff. And uh, and we'll try and bring a bit into here, but uh, yeah, the, the the director, you know, the 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 man that's uh, you know works alongside uh, Bob in making Vokey wedges what they are. So uh, okay, getting up early to do that tomorrow morning. Um, yeah. So, well, I'll talk about me. Um, thanks, How was your week, Ross? Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, never thought you would. Uh, I've just back today. Uh, had a couple of days down at Thirteenth uh, Beach. I went down there on Tuesday, and helped set up for the uh, Vic Open um, work that we were doing. So the full swing golf people have the new Tiger Woods um, inspired launch monitor down there. So I was, took that down there and got Matty Griffin to have a little bit of a play with it and got Bryden at first and to have a bit of a play with it. Bryden and I chatted about his unbelievable 10 under final round at the TPS at Rosebud last week. Uh, just uh, did, you, did you ask him how he was going to go today? What did you have today? I hadn't seen the scores. I was too busy driving. No good. About eleven shots worse than ten under. Yeah. Okay. Yep. He did play in the afternoon, so it was way, way different conditions this afternoon. Yeah, and, and on the beach too. Yeah. On the beach too. So yeah. Uh, so anyway, well, thanks for tell- reminding me of the scores. I was Matt Griffin um, caught up with Jeff Ogilvy down there, so I gave Jeff a little bit of a shot of the new uh, full swing golf um, kit uh, launch monitor. So we caught up with those guys. That was awesome. Um, but caught up with cricketing legend. Sir Ian Botham. Nine holes with Ian Botham at uh, Barwon Heads. That was and that was uh, and, and a bit of dinner afterwards. That was uh, that was interesting. Was Cat- nine was with Beefy. 
No, I'm a beefy. Was, That's right. Was the proem on Bowen Heads? No, the proem was yesterday, so that was Tuesday. I haven't got the haven't got the Wednesday yet. Has was That's was that, Jeff? Um, sorry, go on. Was Jeff was Jeff Ogilvy there at yep. the Bowen Heads? Yeah, okay, that makes sense. No, no, Jeff wasn't oh. at, Jeff wasn't at Bowen Heads. Jeff did the thing on Monday at Lonsdale with uh, Steph Bunky yep. and Nick Ahern and um, the shootout one. Yeah, the shootout one. Sorry, I don't know if, um, was it Julian Sue? Julian Sue. So they did that. So they got a great bit of coverage out of that. Uh, no, I saw Jeff on Wednesday. Sorry. So if Jeff was at Bowenhead on Tuesday, I don't know. But I saw Jeff on Wednesday and the other boys on Tuesday. And um, yeah, but nine holes uh, Bowenheads with uh, Beefy Both and and uh, he's he's been out here in Australia for a while. He's got his wine business. He's been doing some work for the British government, and he's uh, obviously a Bushnell ambassador. So he was uh, on board for Team Bushnell. Um, they didn't win the Pro-Am. My team, Team Bushnell, didn't win the Pro-Am, but we did win something. Did you win Longest Drive again? Yeah, I did. Thanks for asking. What did you win? I, don't I, 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 I hope don't. you won a drum. I really hope you won a drum and voucher. I hope that's I did. all. That's what I want. I hope I did too because it means if I did, I'll give it away. But um, no, <laughs> I actually don't know. because uh, Sadly, um, you know, one of the great parts of Pro-Ams is the, you know, the mingling at the end, but uh, obviously, with the current situation, there was no um, real mingling at the end. There wasn't a presentation. You know, the lunch that used to happen was like you basically got a takeaway lunch, so you could sit outside and have the takeaway lunch in, with your groups or whatever, or, or you could take it away. But there was no presentation, so I just got um, the telegram from uh, Paul from Bushnell saying, I think you won the long drive. Someone's trying to get in contact with you to um, send you your free Bushnell that was part of the prize. <laughs> um, so, anyway, hey. Better than nothing. Absolutely. Using the Wilson Triad golf ball too. A lot of people said, "What golf ball did you use?" I said, "The Wilson Triad." Brad Kennedy said, "I hadn't." I had, <laughs> Brad Kennedy said he hadn't seen a Wilson golf ball since 1987. I don't think I've seen that. Well, there you go. Wilson. I threw, I've, I've, used, I've been given some and thrown them out. Wilson Triad, the new three-piece from Wilson with the urethane cover. Anyway, <coughs> uh, Brad Kennedy. Is, is that a Chinese mafia golf ball or something? Wilson, it's the brand that started, you know, low compression, long distance, straight flying golf balls. Um, you know, they don't get enough credit for, for all of their introductions into golf. The, what's the Wilson 8802 putter? Who doesn't want one of those in their bag? That's true. Hey, um, I, I, ha- I had one. And what happened to it? I'm, a dickhead. it. I'm a dickhead and sold it. <laughs> all right. Oh, I'm sure you snapped it. No, 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 no. I've never snapped a putter. Uh, anyway, got to have a round with Brad Kennedy, uh, probably the highest or second hang- highest ranked uh, pro that is there. Uh, spent a lot of time in Japan. You know, he's played played the Open last year. I think played the WGC last year. You guys will tell me what he played last year better than I can remember what he told me. But um, you know, he didn't. He uh, was a fine, fine ambassador for golf and uh, quite unassuming. Gets about his business. Forty eight. Knows where he's at, knows what he has to do to perform at his best, and uh, it was a pleasure to uh, spend uh, 18 holes with uh, a fellow ginger ninja. We were both slapping on the sunscreen <laughs> and comparing uh, comparing Celtic uh, origins, but um, but I did get I did get a bit of a putting uh, tune up uh, from him. He, he waited to the end, like a lot of good you know, pros do. They don't want to upset your rhythm, but he just. Second last green, he gave me a couple of tips, and then he's invented this um, putting uh, aid. And I said, "Look, 
He said, no, I'll show you if you want. And uh, we went out to the putting green. He showed me this putting aid, a series of little cup inserts, which you put into the cup, and it's like a, a series. So um, you, know, you start off with level one, which is an easy one, and it basically blocks out half the hole and changes your vision. And you, know, you putt on curves, you know, curve putts, and you, it's all about the entry point and the speed. And uh, so we, I got one of those something, and uh, that's going to revolutionise my putting. If you want to know about it, it's called uh, the Project One Putt by Brad Kennedy. You've got to check him out. He does, doesn't sell them. He sells them directly. Oh, he does sell them. He sells them directly. Any questions about Brad Kennedy, boys? Anything you know about Brad Kennedy? Anything that stands out? He's the current New Zealand Open hot champion, actually. Oh, we'll have to figure out what event to get on since you've played with him. Well, that's the final point of the <laughs> It's, we might have a, one of our better opportunities to, um, you know, keep the tradition continuing because... He, I'll tell you what, no pressure at all from on Brad. Just saying. I didn't I didn't leave him with that. I didn't want to lump him with that, you know, I just... Oh, you haven't left any of them with that. They just, they just know what has to be done. I just transferred it and uh, I bumped into Steph Nair and she was uh, wanted me to pass on her appreciation to both of you for uh, the kind words that we passed on about Steph Nair since we met her a couple of weeks ago. Um so she was a new listener. Steph, if you do listen to this, uh, I was surprised that she did listen, but if you do listen to this, uh, welcome to the uh, family. Uh, you are now officially part of the winning family of uh, my, my Love of Golf podcast pros. And uh, it was great to see you again. I need a plaque with all the names. Look, but all seriousness, yeah. It's a joke that we talk. Uh, you, you guys afford me the opportunity to wax on about myself and people actually listen to it. I don't believe they do. Um, but One under, right, today? Yeah, it was also in the afternoon. Um, what was great to see down there, and on a serious note, was the the talent. You know, like obviously without the international players, the the international women, um, you know, without the co-sanctioning, you know, some of the big names weren't there. But you realise two things. You, you know, who the future is of Australian golf. You know, when you're seeing the the Jed Morgans and the Louis Dobbs and uh, you know the Quailies and all those guys warming up, and then the Cam John, um, you know, bashing them out, and then some of the girls like the Julianne Sues and the Steph Bunkies and the Grace Kims and you know the ones that I've forgotten, all in the range together, all just finding their spot. You know, getting their bucket of Pro V1, you know, tall practice balls and back it banging down the range and practicing, having a chat to each other, the, the, the girls and the fellas and the fellas to the girls and the fellas and the fellas and, you know, all. It was great. It was great. And we've got so much talent out there. Um, it was really – and they're all the, – the atmosphere was awesome. You know, the positivity and the energy was great. Obviously, uh, I commented in one of my posts that uh, the place is buzzing, you know, with three open spots being allocated to the tournament. Oh, is there really? Yep. Mm. Yeah, so the – the New Zealand Open, obviously, which isn't going ahead, you know, being a, a, a national open, had three RNA spots uh, allocated to it, and with that, obviously, you know, Golf Australia got involved, and probably I don't know, the, I don't know what the facts are, but uh, probably negotiated, you know, they should come across to here, and that'd be a great, um, you know, fillip for the Australian golfers to have that opportunity, and some, um, you know, young golfers, are, or you know, who knows, but uh, some golfers, Australian golfers, are going to get an opportunity to go to Scotland in July for the 150th. And uh, the couple that I spoke to, you know, the, just the thought of it was giving them a, a bit of a goosebumpy type experience uh, that that might be uh, coming their way on Sunday. Mm. Grace, um, I just noticed Grace Kim disqualified. Really? Yeah, signed incorrect scorecard. A bit disappointing. I know she doesn't say what she shot. The scorecard doesn't come up, but yeah. Uh, well, I can see by the looks on your faces that Lisa is scratching her head as to how that happens in, in the modern game, but 
it does happen. It has mm. happened. Uh, well, sorry to you, Grace. Um, that's no good. You probably won't ever do it again in your life, but uh, let this be a lesson, and uh, you've just got to get on and, and move on. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's looking it's looking great down to the course. The course is set up. The place is fantastic. You know, all golf courses in this part of the world are absolutely in mint condition. Did you come across any uh, unminted condition courses, Mike, in your journey last week? No, all the courses down here looked really good. Uh, played Portsea Monday, played... June's Tuesday, played, uh, went and saw Phil and played St. Andrew's Beach Wednesday, Flinders in the afternoon, and then, oh, Flinders both afternoons, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then uh, Cape Shank today. Cape Shank today, with, so it was a mixed mixed bag of um, people I played with, actually. It was Conrad came down, a mate of mine, and played on Tuesday. Monday, played by myself, but um, like I said, I played with some some members at Flinders on last night, which was great. Young, young Matt, I can't remember Matt's surname. Matt was, was in year 11 at schools playing Penner and he's got a scholarship at the National to play golf and he was off seven. And uh, I'm happy to say that we both had the same Stapleford score, so I was very comfortable with that because <laughs> he was going to beat me for a long way there. Uh, if, you're, if, you're from the, golfer. if you're from the National and you're looking for a, uh, a handy, uh, you know, seven to nine handicap to fill in a spot, just, just hit us up. You know, you can negotiate <laughs> the deal with uh, yours truly and I can, you know. <laughs> I can get one of the great, the greatest competitors of all time, uh, Rocket excluded, of course. He's a fierce <laughs> competitor in another era. Wrong state, <laughs> wrong state too. Uh, but today I played with. Oh, sorry, in St Andrews Beach, I played with two gentlemen. One, but one was a, a pilot and his dad. They're from Perth, and they were over, which was surprising. And then today I played with a couple and um, their in-laws, um, and the, there was uh, two that played a little bit of golf, and one was a very beginner or hadn't played in a long time um had roy and roy uh, battled around a bit at um at racv cape shank because there's a fair bit of elevation changes and a fair few bunkers and we're off the blue tees so he had a very long day and they put it he put it out actually that back nine he hit cups all day so i said to him at the end mate i would have given up a million times <laughs> you've done really really well today so yeah it was good just playing with different people it's been great hey um just finishing off in the big open uh What's the leaderboard there, Mike? What's the leaderboard there? I've got it here. But... So, Dimi Papadados has gone really well on the beach. He's gone seven under. The leader's John Lyros. Yeah, John Lyros, yeah. Yeah, he's played the Creek course. He's at eight under. Yep. Uh, six under, James Marcazani, Zach Murray, and Cam John. Uh, my, my, my man, Muzza. Muzza is <clears throat> six under. He played the Creek. So it's, a, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Normally, I, I would have expected to see a lot more uh, Creek names towards the top but it, it's pretty even if not more beach people uh, especially if the weather there was any sort of breeze down there uh andrew martin also um there t3 and then filling out the rest of the, the top 10 richard green jordan zunick shay wools cobb jake mcleod douglas klein john wade marcus frazier and john Joshua wade green yeah. johnny, johnny wade Mate. <laughs> it's been around forever. Johnny Wade. Lazy, just, lazy 32 on the back nine. Johnny Wade just giving a few lessons to the members at uh, Commonwealth and just absolutely stripes it. And he's just got that uh, long, skinny, languid swing. And he's just, uh, you know, played in the open half a dozen years ago, maybe maybe a few more. But, um, you know, just uh, he's exactly what you remember, Rocket. If you remember Johnny Wade from junior days, as, as I do, um, he was he was one of the elite guys, you know, a couple of years older than me, but, you know, he won 
Jack Newton sub junior uh, in one year, and uh, John Wade, you know this god from godlike. You know, I think quite, he won like didn't he win like the New South Wales amateur like four or five years in a row. Yeah, just just this guru like um, quiet achiever from Victoria winning uh, a big event up in New South Wales. So uh, I bumped into Johnny a couple of months ago. He's a great, great fella. That's good to see him going well. Um, Cam John is a favourite of mine. Uh, he's a great young man, Peninsula Kingswood member. Had a good chat to him this morning and his partner uh, while he warmed up on the range next to the full swing kit monitor. Um, he's just feeling good. He's looking great. He's looking as fit as I've ever seen him. He's had a series of you know, top 10 finishes was unlucky at the players' uh, series last week at Rosebud. Probably, you know, a couple of putts that didn't go the right way, but he was up there at the really pointy end at the time that it mattered. So, wowee, it would be great to see, uh, for me, Cam John go to the next level. It's going to be a stretch for him, but he can do it. Um, he's won in... If you get to Scotland, you know, he won the British, uh, the Scottish Stroke Play 2013, something like that. So, um, you know, he's... He's done stuff over there. Might be the incentive mm. that he needs to get back to Scotland and, you know, get another trophy under his belt. We wouldn't, you know what I mean? Get to Scotland and just get the success of going to the Open. Maybe he yeah. might win the Open. Who knows? Um, okay, and the, um, and the women? The women, yeah. So Karis Davison, Gyu Rin Kim and Hannah Green all tied for the lead at six under. Uh, Whitney Hillier is five under and then it falls back to uh, Janith Wong, who's an amateur at three under. Um, from there, so rounding out the top five. So, yeah, Janith, bit of a bit of a. You'd expect to see um, Hannah Green up there, so that was good that she didn't let anyone down in round one. So, yeah, bit of, probably a bit of pressure when you're sort of that bigger name coming back and playing to put in a performance. Janith Wong is still at high school. She is an absolute talent. Uh, she's got a dad, um, Ken, on the bag. Uh, she finished. She played really well last week in the players series. She played all four day, all four days. Uh, I, I bumped into her briefly, said good day to Janith, and uh, you know she, the first thing was oh, I bogeyed the last, and yeah, she had three. You know, Dad, she had three under, um, but to be up there on the front page of the leaderboard with you know the quality mm-hmm. that you know she is a talent and she is going places. I think she's already signed for Pepperdine, uh, so she'll be at uh, college after she finishes high school over at Pepperdine, and she's looking forward to that. And she'll just be a dynamo of a golfer. I'm not sure if she represents Australia or Malaysia. Um, she's a she's a national of both countries, but um, yeah, she's great. Watch. I wonder what will happen with uh, her this weekend. Now, Rocket, what you know before you? What's going on? What's with the background? Just the Joker really yeah. doesn't care about good or evil. Just setting fire to pile of cash. Right. Who's the Joker? The Joker. All oh, right. Okay. So. Who's setting fire to the pile? Who's the meta- met- metaphorically setting fire to the uh, setting fire to a pile of cash? It's nothing specific. It just felt right. Okay. So, I guess you know, coming out of last week, the Saudi international uh, bone saw classic. Uh, Brad Kennedy played at the Saudi International, was up there at the uh, the top end of the, the pack, I think. What did he finish, uh, Mike? 16th, thereabouts? I'd have to look up yeah. the results, to be honest, mate. Yeah, I, 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 knew, um, I knew the finish was amazing because I was about to go to bed. Um, well, and Harold Varner been the ridiculous part. 100, 100 million footer. Well, well, Brad was there and, you know, once again, you know, he just blown away by the amount of 
liquidity uh, that is in on offer over there. Um, just the, the largesse that is seems very abundant. Uh, you know, Louis Dobbs was up there, and uh, so I spoke to uh, Louis and Gaz, and you know, young Louis come out of Brookwater there, and you know, ended up in Saudi and never been to that part of the world, and uh, just blown away. But uh, you know, basically, Brad is a quiet fella. He wasn't going to give what if he does know something, he wasn't going to give it away. But basically, his message was. We will be surprised who ends up playing and representing that that tour. Maybe more than what we think. More more in terms of more players or or more bigger names than what we might be expecting. But it, I think he says it, his feeling is that we'll be surprised. Maybe Rocket, you won't be surprised. No, I probably won't be because yeah. forget about the tournament. The whole spectre of whatever the shark is is uh, the head of, and if. Instead of trying to create a tour, they're going to partner with the Asian tour, which has been underfunded and underrepresented for a very long time. So, of course, they're going to look at it and go, you're offering us money to bring the best players in the world into a lot of these regions to play in these massive events. Open the doors. The unfortunate thing is that some of those countries are also questionable regimes, historically. Uh, And that's just what it is. You've got a country that just wants to sport wash its human rights, whatever, issues, concerns. And that's it's just what some countries do. Right? It's never going to be the same. And it's very hard to stand on a moral high ground. And especially if you, here's the thing, right? if, you're, if you're a golfer and the money that's being thrown around, that would be very hard to say no to. Because, um, you know, it takes a lot of work to earn that kind of money to set yourself up. And if you have an injury or something like that, you know, one of my mates, one of my good mates is having a bit of problems with the injuries that I never said that was, I predicted that would happen. So maybe the cash looks really good because effectively it's like 10 years of earnings. Plus you could still get your endorsements and stuff like that. So it's a a short-term potential cash grab for for what? You know, they're, they're potentially sacrificing their reputation and potentially do they live in a bubble and kind of not care about that? You know, they can. The thing that annoys me the most is what they hide behind, right? The the rhetoric that that goes with it. Like, but yes, right? Growing the game, or you know, giving back to the grassroots, grassroots in the desert. Come on. Um, and then Phil's comments. Like, everyone knows how much I love Phil, right? Everyone knows how much I love my lefty. But what he said last week. Just remind us what uh, what his commentary was. So he was asked a lot about the you know, Saudi, right? And his rhetoric was he talks a lot. So here's the thing: is that he 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 talks not in riddles, but it's it's in a way that is distracting from the question itself, and having people think about it which he's not completely wrong, but it's hiding the true message. He talks about, I I don't own my rights. You know, I've played shots for the last 30 years on tour and I don't own any of them. You know, when he had that match, I think with um, the one with Tiger Woods. Tiger and yeah. Yeah, so he had the PGA Tour stuck its head in and said, we're not going to, whatever was going to happen, it was going to cost him a million bucks to, basically have the rights to just 
do whatever they were doing. Then he also talks about, you know, he said, oh, they talked a lot about PGA Tours greed. Um, you know, and their, their greed and the impact on, on the game. Uh, I'm sort of paraphrasing a little bit here. And probably from some other different players, I might actually sit up and take notice. But for Phil, like, there's words that I could describe it with, but I'm just going to go with one that's probably less abrasive, and that's piss off. Piss off, Phil. Like, he's a man that was indicted under insider trading, um, had the match with Tiger, and there's that gratuitous photo of him standing over nine million bucks and the story that goes with that, which I thought was funny. Um, and then he's basically been courting Saudi Arabia for the last two years because he's look looking at it as just a, a, a final sort of cash grab. He has, he has no care for the game. Like, he might do other things that may be good-natured and stuff like that, but he, he really... Like, to say that you're caring about the game and stuff like that, he's just worried about Phil. Phil's worried about Phil. Like, let's be honest. Like, Phil is worried about Phil. And I actually think if he didn't win the PGA last year, I don't think he would be as chirpy as what he is now because he would be just, you know, the 150th or 200th ranked player in the world walking around with his sunglasses, his coffee cup, um, acting like a complete schmuck, um, and just chirping away on social media. But since he won the PGA, he's become even more vocal than what he was before and standing and, and really standing out. So do, do you think that, you know, Phil will do it and move across there and take the, take the money and play over there and do all that or, or absolutely. Right. Or is Phil just posturing, you know, cleverly by putting this pressure back to the PGA tour? You know, there's all of the talk about, nah. you know, that no, no, nah. no, so nah. he's not putting the nah. pressure on them, so they can actually come up and then benefits nah. everyone. Which no, Phil just Phil is just. Oh, Phil. the other thing I forgot to mention, he also benefited in winning the pip. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. Basically, just a free cash. Yeah, to tr- to yeah. free cash from the PGA tour yeah. to players yeah. to try and sort of placate these other super leagues, right? So he's he's gladly taken the money, and then then turns around and says, "Oh, you're greedy." Hang on, I've just given we've just given you like ten million bucks mm. just yeah. for being a, a, a flog on social media. If it was if it was someone younger, Ross, you would say it makes sense. Like someone, if someone who had uh, say it was Jordan Spieth, right, as an example, if it was Jordan Spieth saying this and posturing, you would say there's a chance he's doing it to put more pressure on the tour to get more money to the players or to make change. He's, he's got twenty more years of playing on the PGA Tour. Mm. Phil has five. Like he won't be there to, to get any of those games. So he'll he'll get a check. He'll get a check from the Saudis of I don't know fifty million to come over there as a minimum, name minimum and play ten years. He can still play the majors. He can still play on Champions Tour. Yeah, nothing's going to stop him. You just do the ten tournaments that are going to be part of the world schedule on the Asian Tour. Yep. It, yep. was, it was just a just an alternate view based on you know his finishing mm-hmm. the pit being that you know obviously winning that uh, he's yeah. got the highest pulling power in terms of eyeballs on his brand and therefore the PGA Tour. So it was just an yeah. alternate position, you know, like the 
I think the sentiment is that the players are just filthy at the PGA Tour for, you know, the, the multiples of multiples of millions of dollars that they get in the TV revenue that, uh, you know, they see not being shared in terms of prize money uh, going their way. Now, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what happens with their pension funds, but I but I get the, the sense that those pensions... There's a pension... There's a, and the pension funds are not small. Yeah, exactly. Like the, so this is the thing, right? This is what people forget, is that there's... <clears throat> so, so a lot of the argument is around if you just go by pure prize money and what you earn just playing golf and you compare it to other sports in terms of the top to the middle to the bottom... Golf is actually quite equitable, right? So so there's lots of people that would be probably 100, 150th in the world that earn good money. But the thing is, though, it's still within 10%. You know, they, they might be 10% of what the, the top five might earn on the course. Big difference is that those top five, from an endorsement perspective, can earn an absolute truckload more, plus in um, appearance fees and all these other bits and pieces. Um, then there's obviously the pension fund. Then there's all, all the things that they provide for the athletes them as players um, during you know the course of a year to put on these events right because what people have got to remember is that it's not a one day event most of the other sports are one day it's golf's nearly one event is 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 a week it's not it's not cheap to put that on you know there's a reason they have truckloads of sponsors and there's here's the thing is that the prize money's gone up the a lot of things have gone up but the prize money still goes up they've still got these massive pots of cash at the end of the year for the FedEx Cup. Oh, that's a big pool of money. There's lots of other free money that exists over the course of a year. And look, I understand a lot of their argument, but at the same time, it's they're not they're not doing it. They should never say they're trying to grow the game because they're not. They're trying to grow their wallet. Like let's let's let's, a, let's be honest about it. The players. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Right? And then, then here's the other problem is that the 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 PGA here's here's the here's the ultimate irony with the PGA tour is that it's actually very it's it's actually player dominated. They actually have more control over what goes on than they actually let on. Because you think about how the courses are set up. You, like for example, yeah. there's a centerline bunker at Boston Golf Club and they crack the shits and especially um Justin Thomas, especially Justin Thomas, had the biggest sook and whinge about it. Guess what happened the very next year? It was filled in because it was a centerline bunker and it made it hard for them to play a tee shot. What does that say? Like the um, What was the uh, Trinity Forest? They didn't like the course, so they moved it because they got upset about the firm, fast conditions. They're whinges. They're babies. They're big man babies. And they complain about the courses. A lot of them, they have very, they, 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 their voices are strong, and the PGA Tour placate them. And that's a reason why the greens are fast, and they, you know, they don't put a lot of pins in in slopes and things like that. They give them the best conditions. You know, why doesn't the PGA Tour then just trick up the courses again and go? Do you know, what? if you're going to be like that, oh, well, here you go. Have have these conditions. I, I don't know. It's just. To claim they don't have control, mm-hmm. I understand what they're saying, but it's it's rubbish. As mu- and and you, and you know I love to stick it to the Sith Lords of Pontevedra. Mm. You you know how much I love to stick it to them, but in this instance, the the players are not 
they're a little bit out of their lane in, in some areas. The, the, the primary big players, they're trying to claim that, you know, the PGA Tour of keeping lots of stuff. Probably, sure, they could do lots of other things. But guess what's the other thing that PGA Tour don't do? They don't call them on rules. They don't penalise them for slow play. The, the, CT, the CT machine disappears. The golf ball's hot. You know, they've made the game. They've, they've, allowed, they've, they've forced the, the governing bodies to um, bend to the rules of, you know, bend to the manufacturers. And, and now we've got quite a bomb and gouge boring game. Thank you, players. Thanks for growing the game. Dickheads. Um, I think we've passed our swearing limit uh, of Sorry. Uh, what becomes have to become an uncensored podcast rocket. So just putting on the on the on the PGA swear clock. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'll put it in the jar. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of uh, uh, penalties, uh, Blakey, as we know, uh, we had him on last week in your absence. Uh, rocket, he, he joined us from Saudi Arabia. Um, how, is the, how is the good man? He's great. Um, he was excited to be back on course. I've spoken to him. He was in the lounge at Jetta Airport waiting to come back to Melbourne. Uh, he had, a, you know, like just to hear the young fella back out there in tournament land refereeing. Uh, he caught up with Herbie, you know, rode in the cart in the uh, pro-am with Herbie for a f- several holes, had a great chat to him, uh, spoke to a few people, had to put uh, a number of groups on the clock. Um, yes. And, yeah, he, put, he I think maybe he, he's going to come on and tell us what happened, but uh, I think he might have had to put, and it wasn't specifically Kevin Nah, but maybe Kevin Nah's group on the clock, and there was uh, maybe uh, one of the Australians he had to put on the clock. Maybe Herbie's group. Yeah, I think he had to put Herbie's group on the clock. Um <sighs> Yeah, just give him a, a bit of a warning. I'm not sure if they handed out any any notices. Um, he can he can tell us that. But anyway, it was just good to hear him up and about <laughs> and talking about being back on on tour in his world. And uh, you know, who knows what happens from there. But you know, he's he's put himself in a good position and um, you know m- made best use of his contacts with the PGA Tour in Australia to um, you know bounce into that role. They needed people, so um, yeah. But anyway, it's, uh, good for the good for the young man. Yeah, but. Uh, I think I, I I read between the lines, and I think basically he was saying that they like uh, his style because he wasn't afraid of putting people on the count. Where I think you know maybe what you're alluding to, and the point of what I'm saying is you know, they don't get they're not used to being put on the count because they just get let let go. Yeah, imagine him. It's like um just uh, letting you know you're on the clock, fellas. And he would say it in such a nice, calm, and unassuming voice. Yeah, his his calm Kiwi accent. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Oh. God, I wish I was a fly on the wall for that one. So, so we'll catch up with the uh, the Blake Meister, uh, ch- the champion of golf rules questions. You can get all your golf rules information over there, listen to his podcast and subscribe to his newsletter. He does a wonderful service for uh, golfers who need to know more about the rules. Uh, but he'll come back on in a couple of weeks and tell us all about that experience. Um, okay. So uh, that's the wrap-up of Saudi. Uh, the, the real wrap-up of Saudi is Harold Varner III. Uh, speaking about slopes and hilts, humps and bumps on putting greens, he... Rolled one in from Never Never, and yeah. uh, beat was good. Uh, beat the the bub. Bubba, yeah, Bubba flew home. I, I was just about to turn TV off. Bubba pumped one down eighteen, uh, gave himself a chance to make eagle, made eagle on eighteen to get himself to twelve yep. under. Um, Harold Varner was in the pot off the tee on seventeen, and I didn't think he was going to make par, and I didn't think he had the length to make eagle, uh, or, or or maybe it was going to be a stretch because it was pretty tough blowing into 18 and as a water carry. And uh, he, he hit his bunker shot to, I think, about a foot and a half and made birdie. Because um, he was actually, he was trailing at that point because I think Barbara had taken the lead. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, HV3 made the bomb. I think the the celebration videos 
been seen around the world since then and him jumping around. It's just so he's such a good he's such a good character for the game. Um it's probably disappointing that was the one that he won because I think it was a good point that Rocker made around sports washing. It isn't necessarily the storyline that you want to be celebrating because that's exactly what the tournament wants. But yeah, no, it was good to see him win. He's just a, he's just an absolute character. Was it uh, Harovana the third that won that uh, the PGA o- Aussie PGA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. Uh, the the moment for me was you know like I like Bubba. I'm not you know he's not number one on my you know fanboy uh, list, but um, you know I, I, I like Bubba. He's got his quirks. Don't like everything that he does, but you know, gen- and generally, um, I'm okay with Bubba. Uh, the part that I did like was the way that he handled uh, the defeat. Um, you know, like he was obviously there waiting to hopefully win, but uh, as soon as that happened, he just you know the vision of him running back down to you know go out and jump out and celebrate with Harold Varner and uh, you know guiding back up with the score ascent. That was pretty good. I thought that was uh, yeah, that was good. And on that but- reason alone, uh, Bubba it, Watson is my tip for the waste management this week. Uh, before anyone wonders who uh, the tip my tip is, Bubba Watson. I think he's won it before too. Exactly right. I think so. I think yeah, yeah. So, so as much as Bubba can be a bit of a deal. When it comes to celebrating other people, he's really he's one of the genuine good guys. He's a weird unit, but like you only have to go back to the Solheim Cup when he, oh, under his own steam, his own money, went over there to be like one of the assistant like captains. It's very um, it's very similar form rocket uh, Ross that we talked about last week with Jason Day. So Bubba Watson's finishes here in the last 10 years, 5th, 15th, 2nd, 2nd, 14th, 40th, 4th, 3rd, 22nd, 25th at back the other end. It's Look, nothing nothing outside. <laughs> it's only missed one cut in 10 years and um, about eight top 10s. It's good golf. Well, uh, no longer do I have to doubt my tipping prowess. Is that right? Well, I've got to get a winner, for, uh, you know, somewhere better than ninth, fifteenth, or twenty seventh. But uh, my 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 thinking, uh, I should I should trust my my gut instinct. That's what you're saying there, Mike. You but- should. On the tipping, you are going okay. You are currently fourteenth overall. We're up to about six sixty five entrants now. I think. Oh, yeah, kitty every week. It's not uh, too- Rocket has you pipped. Rocket sitting one spot above you in thirteenth. And I've gone. I've I have um, floated up to twenty fifth. <laughs> bit disappointing. Cantley couldn't. Uh, he couldn't close couldn't, it out. Couldn't close it out. It's a- uh, and the shout out for the weeks to Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin had Jordan speak, so he picked up second prize check of nine hundred and forty eight k in points. Uh, Adam Baldwin, uh, he, if you are listening, uh, congratulations. Uh, good to have you back. On the uh, tipping decks, uh, Adam Baldwin's one of the big wigs at the AFLPA uh, down there, and uh, fellow PK member uh, joined us here. Uh, good fella, and uh, loves his golf, and obviously a, a fan of the podcast. Thanks, Adam, and good luck with the uh, AFLPA golf day tomorrow down at, uh, at the Moonlight? National. Yeah, uh, Moonlink, that's right. Yeah, it is because I tried to play there tomorrow and yeah. it's, <laughs> I couldn't get on. <laughs> yeah, <Adam. laughs> Naturally, uh, as the golfer, Adam and Smithy and Mickey Jamison uh, at the AFLPA are integral in the AFLPA Players Golf Day. Um, it'll be probably run and done by the time anyone listens to this, but uh, there you go. Yeah, good to see you back. Um, it, he, should download if he's, he should be downloading it when he wakes up in the morning for the drive for the, down. Thank you, Adam. Good, yep. good luck. And if you uh, win any of those Chrome And then off, sharing it to all the players that are playing. Oh, i got to listen to this. You've got to join the tipping competition. We'd have love to have uh, who who would be a good tipper in there? Who, um, I dare say there'd be a few. Not for Vola. Right. Okay. Okay. Um. Anyway. Uh. Rocket. Who, who's your tip for this week? Max Homer. 
Max, what's interesting me about interesting to me about this is just to see how many people have the same player. Like so many people had Patrick Cantlay last week. Hmm. Is that them following your tips, Mike? No, I think I think uh, I think he was a smart play last week. So I was I was gonna, not going to use him until the majors, to be honest. But when Berger pulled out and Zalatoris pulled out, they were the top three favourites. So you kind of end up picking Cantlay, and there's a solid chance he's not going to finish worse than fifth. So I, th- I don't think he did. I think he finished tie fourth, and he and he didn't close well. So um, you get you get you try to maximise your pick with the dollars you win. You're not worried about. Ruling him out for the majors? Like, nah. isn't, isn't he someone you keep in your pocket for the majors? No, nah, I've still got a lot of. Um, yeah. I haven't. I haven't burnt any John Rams or. Mm. Nah, so I, I was nearly going to pick Spieth this week, and I thought, no, nah, that's there's my master's pick. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. I I, I might. Um, I'm going to watch the weather, and I've been toying with with breaking this news to Rocket for a few weeks now. But oh. I'm going to watch the weather, but. I think I might be picking Bryson for the Masters. What? Yeah, that's that. I'm going to wait and see. Is is it? It's it's weather conducive. Is 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 there any any part of his body that'll be left to be able to play? Well, he reckons he's okay, so I'll wait and see. I don't think I'm with you, mate. I've been on the same. How funny is that? He hurt his wrist, and then the week later, he's hurt his hip, and apparently (laughs) he slipped and fell. Yes, I slipped and fell, but I can't play golf. But I've taken the payment to come over to Saudi now. I'm going home. I think it was, oh, I saw some great stats yeah. when they said, you know, the two years before and then the pre-bulk and then the one post-bulk and really the only difference is the major. And if you think about it, if he didn't win that US Open, his efforts for the last however long, being a bigger bigger t- um, tool bag than what he already is, would basically be for naught. Yeah. I think it was Golf Digest, but I saw the same. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was flabbergasting to, to re- once you realise that you really Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, you 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 called it, you foresaw it, you crist- you didn't crystal ball it, you picked it several years ago, Rocket. Um, but yeah, the one major was the big difference. Um, and plus thirty kilos. And, yeah, and because the thing. See, here's the thing: is that he doesn't have any balance in his game. Like there were things that he had to do before. Like the, I understand the getting more distance, and but he went to this super crazy extreme. And I'm pretty. I'm. I'm going to stick to my guns and say that was still the whole. You know. Brooks having a swing at him sort of stuff, um, especially when they confronted him at the putting green. Uh, but the thing is, though, what, what, he spends so he actually spends so much time doing all this other work, and it comes down to it's driver or putter, and he needs both of them to be hot, otherwise it's, he's cooked because his iron play has not improved. Actually, I think it's um, it's it's digressed, and also his wedge play is was average to start with and it's still average now because here's the thing you, m- you might have the you know the the one length club but the thing is though when you're hitting um you know pitching wedge that's a six iron like that legitimately has to be hard to control sometimes and even around the green he's actually he's quite average around the green so unless he's just bombing gouging his way and then putting the eyes out of it he's nothing that's why, you know, Wingfoot, won at Wingfoot. If that was Wingfoot in June, there is no way that he would have won that thing. Played it in November when the grass was uh, not at its thickest and lushest. It was quite wispy. And um, they tempered the course down a little bit as well. So it didn't get to play as hard as fast as normal because of the time of the year. It's just a perfect storm for him to win. 
still won it, so congratulations, but, you know, Okay. When he wins the Masters, it won't matter. Yeah. I can't believe I can't believe, <laughs> believe you're even talking that going that early. Yeah, yeah you, I don't know. You're not Thomas. Hey, Ross, Ross, he's played ninety holes. He's a tired man. Yeah. You know, no, it's more mate. I, I'm knackered. It's over a hundred. I'm cooked. <laughs> no, um, I, I I've, I looked at him the last few years. Um, I think he's much better on a harder, fast, fast Augusta. So I'll wait and see what the weather's like, but. Um, yeah, it'll come down to his body and his odds can't be what they are. He, his odds are like they are now. I, I won't go near it. They're just too short. Uh, so who have you got this week, Mike? I've got Rusty Henley. Russell Henley. Yeah, right. Okay, interesting. And before I forget, yes. you just mentioned Golf Digest um, article. There's an exceptional article on Morgan Hoffman. If anyone hasn't read it, oh, I've yeah. retweeted it. It's so good. It's a long read, but it's it really, very, really, very, really, really good. Very good. Yeah, really, very good. That is. Sorry, go on. He's had some um, muscle dysphagia or whatever it is. He's losing some muscle mass in his chest. Yeah, he's got a um, some milder version of muscular dystrophy. Dystrophy, correct? Yeah. So he's uh, he's now living in Costa Rica. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere in a jungle and living on all natural foods and yoga and drinking his own urine and rubbing urine into his gums. Yeah, it was a very. He's come, he's got a he's got three tournaments left on his um, medical exemption. Medical exemptions, and then he's got to come back and somehow try and get some sponsors exemptions to keep his card. Otherwise, he's done. Yeah. But he wants to raise some money to build a, a facility down there as a bit of a, a wellness centre. But it's just a it's a really amazing route. If you like golf or not, I mean, I know we're not going to have many people listening to this that don't like golf. But even my wife, I said, I've read this, she might find this interesting. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Daniel Rappaport did a fantastic job mm, on that. Really good job. Yeah. Eric did a podcast with him a while ago too, I'm pretty sure. He did, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember same, half of it. Was, it was along the same sort of lines. I don't know if he was it. that far down the journey, yeah. He wasn't, no, because that's exactly right. Because I remember when he was talking in the article about bits and pieces, it, Eric's interview with him was sort of before he went down there. Mm. So it was kind of the whole story. So I knew the whole background and bits and pieces that he'd been trying, uh, the Mayo Clinic and now I'm being able to figure out what it was. But then this is like, and here's what's happened <laughs> three years later. It's like, wow, that's not what I expected at all. Yeah. Okay. So that's this week. Uh, the Just go back to uh, Pebble Beach. Uh, Hoagie, I don't know much about him. Yeah, Tommy well, Tables. He was in the picks. He was in the picks on the Magic picks. He was sixty-seven to one. Um, he wasn't. Sorry, he wasn't on the. I don't know. If, I can't remember whether we talked to him on the podcast, but um, he was on the tips on Twitter. Uh, so that was good. So a few people messaged me. Um, one of them, oh, who was it? Someone messaged me, and um, I'm going to forget his name now. But he's invited uh, Ross and I. Not you, Rocket. He mustn't like you. No, he said he, he lives up in Terrigal, and uh, he said um, he said that. We have to basically visit and uh, the next time I'm up there and he owes, owes me a beer for the tips. <laughs> so I said, well, I'm sure Ross will be up there. Have you been to it Ter- was have you been to It Ter- was Merle's. Merle's. I wonder who Merle's is. Merle's. Uh, Merle's is Hammertail. So Hammertail's in the tips as well. Yeah, so, true. yeah. Uh, um, I've been to Terrigal. I've, I've been there. I st- Actually, the people I play with today are from Terrigal. Um, okay, uh, the, the women played uh, last week uh, and I was really, really happy to see um, Leona Maguire win. Young Irish lady. Um, Leona's been on uh, 
Patty Talks podcast, and uh, you know she, that's great to see her. She's a love to see the Celts uh, up there and winning. Uh, I think the women on the LPGA tour have got a a break. Um, yeah, they've got a couple of weeks. Yeah, they've got a couple of weeks um, until they get back to the HSBC and move to that part of the world. So, uh, but Leona, well done, Lexi. Lexi, Lexi's got some form happening. She's been up there thereabouts for in a few tournaments this year. Just an habitual top fiver. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, anyway, uh, well done, Leona. Uh, the DP World Tour Rocket, uh, Rocket or uh, Magic? Do you see any of that? I didn't see any of it. I, I can't believe it's taken you this long to get to it. Sorry. Did you? You don't remember what happened last week in my picks, do you? As I got a few messages on Instagram about it. Oh, so I in my tips, I picked Nikolai Ho- Hoygaard. Right. And then I said, no, I'm changing. I'm going to go to Hao Tong Lee. That's and right, then on, yes. On Friday, I got a message and said, you should have stuck with <laughs> Nick Hoygaard. Uh, so Nick Hoygaard went on to win. Uh, and Hao Tong Lee shot lights out 63 from the round of running to third. So we, we had two picks. They finished first and third. Uh, how Tom was playing about 110 and, and Nicholas was playing, Nikolai was paying about 50 to one. Oof. So I had one person, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, young Jared Lotes in Sydney bet it, but I, 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 he was messaging me straight away. So that was good. That was a good pick. Uh, any Minwoos uh, coming your, your way? Uh, half a mil, not even, I don't remember what, I don't remember what a Minwoo is anymore. <laughs> I, I had, uh, I had, Ten dollars on him at fifty to one, so I got five hundred dollars back. So that was okay. Well, that's yeah. That's, that was yeah. That's, I, it was one of those ones where I thought, you know, what's going to happen? That's a half million. Anyone, one. anyone who's ever had a bet knows this story. You go to put a bet on, you get something wrong, you decide to cancel it, you put on the bet you want, the one you bet the first time wins. So I had ten dollars on each of Hanson Lee and Nikolai just in case, and one of a one. No, well done. Well, uh, all the more reason for following along. Uh, we mentioned, and he he is sorry mate, to cut you off, but he is he is an animal. Like the twins, the the, the Hoygaard yeah. twins are unbelievable golfers. Oh, but Nikolai hits it long. miles. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Some so- of the shots he hit out of the rough were unbelievable. Out of the sandy wastelands, he's a freak show. Uh, speaking of hitting it miles, did I mention that I won the uh, long drive at the prime? <laughs> So, so, so oh, hope it's a Drummond voucher. So, <laughs> so, have a look at me. Like, how how, do, how am I sitting here? Like, you've got to look at the YouTube video to, to check this out. And one of the reasons to check because you can get to see us. Um, 124 subscribers. So, thanks to the three people that tuned 26, in. 26 to go, and we get to the prizes. I'm giving away prizes. Whoa. There we go. That's the incentive. How come you've played 175,000 hours of golf and you look like you know a pale Scott? And and I've played eighteen holes of golf. I stood in the range for a couple of hours, and I look like a Belusha beacon. I'm it's re- a light. I'm, I've got a proper golfer's tan going. Don't worry about that. I'm, um, yeah, I, it's not. That's not a pink light. Pro- probably re- reapplies every two hours. Yeah. I do oh, with so a head like this. You can't not. You don't even wear a hat. I reapply as well. Look, I've got. I've you know. But I'm guys, Italian but, skin. You, Italian may, you skin. maybe need. You may, yeah. yeah. See, yeah, the yeah, Italian skin. Look at the red light. That's the glow off my face. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, there was a glow, uh, short story about my golf day today at Cape Shank. Well, there was a glow coming off my head. I had a seven iron. I had two bombs on two par fives, and I had seven iron in on both, and I wiped both holes. <laughs> and, the, and the people I was with 
they thought I was going to explode. I like I went bright red. That was, you know, one of the things that I got talking to um, Brad Kennedy about was some of the stats. You know, he's he's very he understands his game obviously very well, but you know, he was talking about the younger generation and you know how he's had to learn about his game and and what to expect and when to when he's under pressure and uh, you know, like seven eyes an example that. You know, he knows the ratios, like what he has to be and how many times yeah. he has to hit it inside 30 feet. And if he does every, all of that, you know, he can sort of forecast his score. Yeah. And and he just spends all of his time practicing around, you know, those metrics. And, the numbers. You know, his, his question mark in, in observing some of the younger players on the various tours that he's, you know, played on and been around all of the big tours and big tournaments in the last few years is um, – you know, he he sees the younger generation practicing differently and not and not going through those processes as thoroughly or diligently as maybe they they should. But um, he just he just rattled off some stats and sorry I can't recount them because my my head's for pictures not numbers. But uh, you know, he he just knew exactly when he's outside of that. You know, he shouldn't expect that you know to walk off with a birdie. So if he doesn't walk mm. off with a birdie, you know, he knows that he's got a hit it closer with inside the numbers, you know, he knows through the practice yeah. rounds he's going to be driver seven iron three times, <coughs> driver wedge five times, three iron, five iron two times, and what he has to do and where he has to hit it to um to have a score. And if yeah. he doesn't, he goes and works on that part. So, yeah, it was really interesting to sit down and pick That's, brains on that. But the other thing as well, having the understanding of where you are on the greens as well, then you have it, you, you're not going to beat yourself up because all of a sudden if you've hit it to 20 feet all day and you don't make any putts, Statistically, means it's, that's actually normal. Yeah, mm. I'm saying you're not, not going to go. Oh, I've missed everything today. Yeah, well, you're 20 feet away. It was, it was a pleasure to watch him hit these little spinning no divot uh, lob wedges when he, when he the odd occasion when he did miss a green. Like it was like with so much acceleration, but the ball just went low, bounce, bounce, stop. Yeah, you know, beautiful, isn't it? It was, but it was like so much acceleration. Little fizzes, <laughs> little fizzes. Yeah, they, it was. It was. Unbelievable to watch. Um, so good luck, Brad. Uh, what else happened? What else have we got? So we've DP World done that. Hoy Guard, well done. Uh, Hoagie, Pebble oh. Beach, well done. Saudi, okay. I just That's want it. to see what Mike's what what the uh, Mike's data lake is saying for the uh, overall for the uh, Phoenix. Overall, uh, it was actually a funny week this week. Um, of all the people to come up on top. Um, was Aaron Wise stacks up most on top? He's a he'd be a million to one. Um, he's eighty dollars. He's paying eighty or hundred dollars. So I'm not I'm not betting him, but if someone else does. After that, the numbers stack up: uh, Sam Burns, Russell Henley, Corey Connors, Ooh. Xander Shoffley, and then down to Danny McCarthy, Mito Pereira, Seamus Power. That's kind of the top, you know, eight or so. Justin Thomas is probably the next big name that comes up as a as a key player. John Rahm's not far behind that. I mean, look, it's a, such a funny week because you've got so many guys that are just superstars. You've got Hideki and um, John Rahm, like we said, Justin Thomas, so many big names. Um, it's it's a week for favourites. Yeah. It really is. Like, it's a week where I'm fully expecting the winner to be from the pointy end of the field. But, um, yeah, you never know. This is where I got on my run because I had Brooks last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I had Brooks and um, 
and I was watching the Super Bowl and it was they're about to kick off while he's finishing. So I'm on my phone and the thing they, they're like, "Are you watching the game?" And I'm like, "No." That, that was a thing I was going to ask, right? So why does the PGA Tour move Tory Pines back to a set they finished, not the week of the Super Bowl? Yeah, because it was um, NFC Championship Sunday. Yeah, but I know. But why don't they do the same thing this week? Makes no sense to run golf on the <clears> same day as a Super Bowl. Half the golfers won't want to be out there. No, nah, but the thing is with the Phoenix Open, it kind of has its thing. Yeah. And it, it's been up against the Super Bowl for 15-something years. Hmm. And I mean, look, we get it to college town and all that sort of yep. jazz. Maybe they're yep. more keen about the college yep. stuff. But yep. Yep. But the th- well, the thing is that the, the time, the and I think also the time difference, if I get this right, I think the time difference means that as it's finishing – the Super Bowl starting. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to be being in California, yeah. but yeah. I know last year's one because that was in Florida. Yeah. The time difference was far enough so that the time that the game was starting, so yeah. people would probably be three three to four sheets of the wind, yeah. and then just going to wherever they need to go to go and watch the game. I mean, it might be a little bit different because of being yeah. in LA this year. It'll be just after you go, I guess. But I mean the. If, I mean, we only have two big tournaments here a year in golf or when we have them, and PGA and, and the Australian Open. But I couldn't imagine one of those finishing on AFL Grand Final Saturday. It just doesn't make – you'd be – no one would be watching. Yeah, it's a little bit different here. Over there, you think about the events, um, the re- and the reason they moved Tory is because it came – because when the NFL went to that – added that extra game on their season, hmm. um, uh, it meant that the – the championship weekends fell right on Tory, where it used to be. Tory used to be right in right in the middle, hmm. so that's why that's why yeah. they moved it. Because if you, if if because the championship weekend is always on that on that Sunday, and those two games you got got them going back to back. Yeah, they yeah, would have had two games. That's they would have had no eyeballs. Now maybe um, maybe this will be one of the ones they move next year. Makes no, sense. they won't. They won't. Move. They'll leave the Phoenix there. They won't change it. They've run up against it for ages. Won't change it because the, the. I think for some reason the event survives on just what it is. The venue, the sixteenth hole, the whole atmosphere and stuff. It just works. Mm. But yeah, that's it this week. Um, yeah, we've got the tournament at DP World Tour, but they're already away. They're playing again, same course, uh, same named tournament. I think <laughs> this one's called the classic. Last week was called the Raz Al Kami Kami. Uh, the Raz Al Raz Al Gul. Classic. Oh no, yeah. that's Batman. Batman. The Raz Al Kamar Classic, and last week was the Open, but it's on the same course. Uh, and Ryan Fox is leading. He's eight under through sixteen. Go Foxy. Screw. Uh, six under through 18, T5. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of squads. There's a lot of Scots out there, Ross. We're good golfers, mate. We are good golfers. And uh, did I tell you that I booked the book Scotland? Scotland's happening. It's a thing. Yeah, oh, really? Tell you. Yeah, it's going. Yeah, it's. it's uh, look, if anyone needs, um, if anyone's got a spare, <laughs> a spare ticket for the Open. Uh, I thought you were about to say any spare bedroom or a well, floor that, that I can sleep on. Well, that too. Um, you know, like I'm pretty low maintenance, um, so uh, just hit me up. You know, there's a t-shirt, there's a t-shirt and a sticker in it um, for you, <laughs> and a personal guide to tour of St Andrews. Absolutely right. Um, 
But uh, I just want to give a couple of shout-outs if I can. I uh, had a great uh, pleasure of meeting a couple of the uh, media industry uh, gurus. Uh, Jimmy Manuel from Golf Australia magazine. So Jimmy is one of the guys that does all the tech features and a lot of the writing um, for Golf Australia magazine. Uh, Jimmy, good fella. Uh, good day to you and nice to meet you. But I uh, also met the famous, the great man, uh, the Maitland, uh, the man from Maitland. Uh, it's the Cessnock v Maitland uh, competition here. Um, the, the big Logue, Adrian Logue. I uh, came across the Adrian Logue today. He's obviously one half of the Good Good Golf podcast, uh, one of Australia's great podcasts, far far more prepared and uh, <laughs> researched than we are uh, with Rod Murray. But uh, I met Adrian Logue and uh, it was great to catch up with Logue. We know, rattle off, you know, we could rattle off about 20 names of golfers from the region that we'd all played with, uh, but we'd never met or uh, played with each other or come across each other in our formative years but um, anyway it was good to finally meet Adrian Logue and final shout out for me is to um, uh, young Gabrielle McDonald who's playing her first event on the uh, as a full member of the LET tour uh, the LET ladies are down in Kenya uh, poor Gabrielle had one of those misfortunes of have, being a touring pro travelling the globe and having her clubs not turn off uh, turn up sorry uh, I'm not sure what club she's playing with, but she's not off to the greatest of starts. She's on plus six. Uh, the leaders in Kenya on the LET is um, uh, Linnea Strom. Hopefully, hopefully it's tailor-made. Yes. Hopefully it's tailor-made. Maybe she'll get the sticks that they've been promising me for like the last three years while I've been chilling and trying to get a free set of bats. <laughs> Just leave that there. Um <laughs> Uh, Linnea Strom's leading at uh, minus four in uh, Kenya for the LET. Oh. Uh, but Gabrielle, good luck and uh, look forward to catching up with you later on in the year. I did have one question from a, a, a listener, a uh, uh, long-time listener, one-time caller, uh, <laughs> Pultz. Pultz, when I, was, when I told him I'd played St Andrews Beach and I put a photo up on Instagram and I said, uh, he said, oh, it's such a great first tee shot and I said, Hands down for me, the St. Andrews Beach first tee shot from the top of the hill, I find the most daunting tee shot anywhere. It's the biggest, it's a massive fairway. There's all yep. the room in the world, but it still every time scares the hell out of me. He said, that's a good podcast question. Why don't you ask the other boys, what's their most daunting first tee shot? What do you got? They're going through the insight with anyone who's listening. And not watching this, they're going through an encyclopedia in their head of all the first tee shots they've ever had to play. I can what, only have a, a, a singular one or like one. a particular course. Oh, no, just one. Pick, a, pick a course. Yeah, it has to be the course. So for me, like that that shot there for me, I'm just thinking I'm going to top this straight into the bushes downstairs and then fade one right off into the so other bushes. To that point, let me, I'll go first, Rocket. Uh, to that point, I th- I. Definitely can see how players are phased by elevated tee shots. It changes the perspective. And if you're, I think it's a lot to do with how your eyes set up and how you, you know, you visually associate with the target. And it doesn't change it that the tee is elevated relative to the size of the target, but it just seems to narrow everything down and it brings everything that field of vision yeah. closer. And the, the sky above means that there's space here and you, and you don't have those defined target lines. So, so yeah. it is a daunting, um, but that tee shot there is about 550 metres wide, Mike. So there's really it, not a lot no, of No, no, it is. No, um, well, you drive the ball differently to me, but yes, that's true. Mind you, I have stood on that <laughs> tee once and watched a, a friend of mine who I won't name, Rick James, 
who French cut a ball through his legs from that tee and lost the ball in the bushes behind himself somehow. So yeah. it does. Alfred told everyone, how do you miss that fairway? It's 500 metres wide. Look, we, we mentioned Jeff Hogelby before and, you know, not all of us can cold top of five wood three feet uh, in front of a US Open champion. Uh you know, like that, uh, Mike. But, um, you know, anyway, you've seen that happen too. Uh, what I was going to say is I can really only remember being truly nervous in my junior days playing a uh, first tee shot. I just used to put myself under immense pressure and I really remember feeling nervous. But in the modern time, and it was still a long time ago relative to the now, uh, the feeling of hitting the first tee shot at the old course, I'm not sure that uh, anything can replicate how that, feels and I can't really explain how that feels there's the nerves of being in you know the home of golf and then and then you have um you know the people you know 20 30 40 depending on the the day and the time watching it was maybe 30 people watching us uh it's it's a surreal experience not nerve-wracking or daunting it's just this experience that you know you 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 go to pull the trigger and you know you feel with this emotion of where you are and who's played there and who's teed the ball up in those spots and how long they've been telling it up. And, you know, anyone who's anyone has been in that. And when you do it for the first time, uh, it's it's quite surreal. So that's probably what I would put there. You've, you know, and you stand there and you watch people just carve it out into the, you know, over the top of the Himalayas and nearly take out, you know, half the field or hit one over in the left. Or poor Ahmed. Ahmed sent me a message today, actually. He's back in town for a month uh, you know, he's, he's in Barney. He's going to Barney in a couple of weeks. Uh, not off the first, but off the 18th. He did, he did smash a, a uh, Porsche uh, Carrera 911 from some one of the hotel uh, guests uh, on the 18th once upon a time. Um, so they're all daunting. But anyway, Rocket, what about you? I've got two. They're tied. The, the, the first one is the first at Alveston, and, and, I'll, and it's a par five. Mm-hmm. It's... Elevated tee down to a fairway. The fairway's two-tiered and sloping to the left. And there's trees left and it's OB right. Mike's shaking at the thought of that. And it's OB right. I'm fine with that. And and it dog legs to the right. And it's not a long, it's actually not a long par five. So it's one of those ones where you want to get off to a good start because the first couple of holes can, can, they're not long, but they can tear you a new one. I remember the 94 Tasmanian Open. <laughs> I'm teeing off there <laughs> and standing down below, just below where I was teeing off, had Snake Chalmers, Matty Goggin. I think it was Jared Mosley. Jared Mosley. Yeah. And West Australia. Jamie McCallum. Yep, correct. So it's like you've got the cream, cream de la creme at the time, <laughs> straight mm. amateur golf. And there I am, like teeing off, thinking, don't. Like, I felt like, don't top it, don't do this, don't do this, don't hit it out of bounds, all that sort of stuff. Just get it in the left rough somewhere. Yep. But that, but that, just that hole on its own, because you want to get off to a good start, is daunting. The second one, and people may laugh at this one, this is Launceston Golf Club. So Gene might actually you'll know this one. It's a short par four. It's by 235 meters, I think it is, or I think 240 from the back tee. So you can drive it, right? But the thing is, though, when I was playing at my best, drivers in the fence over the back, it's OB. Three woods kind of in the not sure. And the green's on a little bit of an angle, deep pot to the to the right. And if you go left, you could end up under a tree. So it's one of those things, do you just lay back? 
And that hole just destroyed me many, many times. Um, I think I remember nearly hitting it out of bounds. I was leading one tournament there, playing the final round, and I, I think I nearly put it over the fence. Made five. That's a good way to start. And then the best time I, the best I ever played the hole, I played like a five iron short out to the left, left myself an open open shot. Pin was cut like back right in this corner. I was playing my mate in a state pennant final. He's hit it in the trap. There's like no sand in it. I've hit this wedge into like gimme distance. He's hold it for eagle. I'm like, oh. lost the hole. Played it the best I ever had. But yes, that that hole would give me conniptions. Because the, the, because the next yeah. two holes, the next two holes, the tee shots on the next two holes are daunting as as heck as well. So you like it's. Oof. The um, one daunting one, I'm sure most people, if they haven't seen it, they'll see it in the next few days, is uh, obviously the, the TPC Scottsdale uh, Stadium hole, which is behind me in the, in the image on screen. The uh, celebrities were there today and the American Bachelor uh, hit a puzzle rocket straight into the face of a cameraman about five metres in front of the tee. So if you haven't seen it yet, search, on, search online, I'm sure it'll come up. So he was... He didn't look like a golfer, a bachelor. No, yeah. no. Like, you saw that one, Ross? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a shocker. Crazy spot to stand. Like when you know you, you see that With you see that guy, you know, have a warm up swing, and you just like hold on, let me out of here. <laughs> like, you know, it was crazy. And anyway, it was. Um, yeah, got him right in the uh, right. Got him a good one. Uh, uh, Jamie McCallum, you're missing Jamie McCallum there, another fine Scottish Aussie uh, coaches down at Albert Park. Uh, good fellow. I've had, uh, I reckon, I, I've had um, lessons with Jamie and he's gone by. Yeah. Uh, very good, gents. Uh, thank you. That's another hour of power from us. And uh, we thank you for listening and uh, sticking around uh, right to the end. If you do have any questions, if you do want to give us any suggestions, uh, please fire them away. I don't seem to get a lot of questions. Mike, you know, if you're the question and answer uh, manager of uh, the team, keep firing them at Magic Mike. No problems at all. Uh, yep. Rocket? Well, um, if I could send some to me, like message me on Twitter. Are you well, it's, one, it's one, it's one, oh, trust me, this week I've been coming in hot. Right. <laughs> coming in hot. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I haven't been on the Instas since my hiatus. Yep. Um, and yeah, I'm on the on the Twitters, so I'll I'll interact with anyone. Well, you can follow uh, Rocket on Insta. At, what are you? At, you're at Rodney Heron up there, aren't you? You're not in first. Are you you're Rodney Heron on Twitter? Yeah. Yep. And uh, Mike. Uh, Mike Creedy. Mike underscore uh, Creedy. Yeah. Yep. And me. Well, where can't you get me? Drum and golf. Uh, my love of golf. Ross Lanigan dot golf. Uh, anywhere you want to follow, you can <laughs> you can see what I'm up to. Uh, <laughs> Um, thank you and we'll see you next week on the My Love of Golf podcast thanks for tuning in and uh, until then enjoy oh that's Rockets music that's not our music we've got to play our music still playing Rockets music (laughs) 